Hi guys, you have McGann, and welcome back for part 16 of There, I Read It, where I'm going over the Harry Potter series for the first time ever, chapter by chapter. I just finished chapter 16, which I believe was called Through the Trapdoor, yes. And actually, this was the best chapter I think I've read so far. It had really good pacing, there was a lot going on, and I have so many questions, so let me get straight into my notes and maybe some of you guys can chime in and answer some questions. And again, if somehow this is your very first viewing of There I Read It and you have no idea what's going on, I just write notes for every chapter. It's not always some great, wonderful, you know, thought-provoking note. They're just different things that I thought were interesting or that might come back later. So the exams come with special anti-cheating quills and the kids don't just have written exams, they also have practical exams, um, one of which was like Flitwick wanted a pineapple to tap dance across the table. Then McGarnagal wanted a mouse turned into a snuff box, S-N-U-F-F-B-O-X, but I have no idea what that is. And then Snape wanted them to make the forgetfulness potion, but he made everybody very nervous because he was like breathing down their necks while they were trying to do it. And the book says that Harry's doing his best on the exams, but his head still hurts. And he mentions that his scar is hurt before, which is curious, but never this often. And with really no justification or rationalization, Harry says that he thinks his scar is trying to warn him that there's danger coming after him. And then out of nowhere, it suddenly dawns on Harry that, hey, wait a minute, Hagrid said he wanted a dragon's egg more than anything else that he's ever wanted, and now suddenly somebody just happens to have a dragon's egg? It just so happens that somebody has a dragon's egg to give to Hagrid as soon as the Sorcerer's Stone gets to Hogwarts? Like, huh? Those odds are way too small to be realistic. So Harry flees towards Hagrid's hut and he finds out that Hagrid does say a little something something about Fluffy while he's getting the egg. But to be fair, the guy who is giving this egg actually has a pretty good cover. He's not only physically covered in a cloak, but he's like, well, you know, not just anybody can raise a dragon, so how do I know you could handle one? So Hagrid's like, oh, oh, because I have a three-headed dog, and let me tell you, you know, how you calm this dog down with music and, and all the secrets, because see, I'm an expert animal handler. Hmm. What makes me curious, though, is that Hagrid immediately realizes that, oh, I should not have said that Fluffy goes to sleep when you play music to you, Harry. But he doesn't have any kind of like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that to the guy in the bar with the dragon either. And I get that the guy met Hagrid at Hogsmeade and kept buying him drinks, so he was a little bit tipsy there. But still, if Hagrid remembers that conversation well enough to be able to quote it back to Harry, then he should have known that he made a mistake and said something. So Harry, Ron, and her Hermione are just desperately trying to get a hold of Dumbledore to tell him what's going on, and it turns out that Dumbledore has just gotten an owl to take him away to the Ministry of Magic. And Harry decides at this point he's gonna stop playing games, and he tells McGarnagle flat out, hey listen, we know that the Sorcerer's Stone is here, and that somebody's gonna try to steal it tonight. That's why they got Dumbledore out of the castle. And McGarnagle just really doesn't believe that it's not well protected. She's just like, oh you kids don't know what you're talking about. And then she basically says, that if they don't quit playing with fire here, that she's going to take another 50 points away from Gryffindor. Then Snape also wanders into the scene and he's like, you know what? You don't want people to think you're up to something, do you? So you better run along and get outside and relax with everybody else. Because if I catch you doing anything improper again, I will personally see to it that you get expelled. And because exams just ended, they said that the kids have an entire week off before their results come in. So whereas normally, 
normally kids would be going from classroom A to B to C to D and just shuffling around all day, now they're gonna be out in their houses or outside or flying around, and that's gonna leave a lot of the castle pretty empty. Which means between that situation and Dumbledore not being present, this is the perfect time to go after the Sorcerer's Stone. And then I do want to read this excerpt from Harry um, where he goes on, they're like, hey, well, if you go after this, we're gonna lose more points for Gryffindor and that's not good. And Harry has a very, you know, awesome, interesting response. And I think this is the first time in the book that I've genuinely liked Harry. But on page 270 of the classic, uh, I guess, normal edition of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, you can't, said Hermione, after what McGarnagle and Snape have said, you'll be expelled. So what? shouted Harry. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the Sorcerer's Stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think they'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll just have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going over to the dark side. And that was just like, whoo, Harry, you put on your big boy pants there, sweetie. I like it. Which also sounds kind of creepy because he's 11 and I am not trying to be all cougary. I just like, woo, there's that spark in the right direction. It seems like every other time that Harry's gotten fired up, it's been over such a silly little thing like, oh, Malfoy got under his skin or, you know, something a little bit ridiculous like that. Something very middle school-esque. But now Harry's starting to see this bigger picture outside of Hogwarts and I, I like it. I like I like that he's thinking beyond himself at this point. And then shortly after that, uh, Harry's getting ready to go, getting in the invisibility cloak and Ron and Hermione are like, hey, can we fit in there with you? We want to go too. And Harry seems genuinely surprised that Ron and Hermione would want to go with him. And that's really the first time that I feel like we've gotten a good example that Harry has not had friends previously. You know, we all get those acquaintances or fair weather friends that are like, hey, I'll sit with you at lunch or next to you in class or this and that, you know, we can chit chat. But are we really truly friends? I mean, would we go out of our way for each other? Sometimes it's hard to know until you get in that situation. But hey, Ron and Hermione are here for it, so good on them. And now Harry knows for sure that these guys have his back no matter what. So then Hermione gets told to keep an eye on Snape, but she gets caught by Snape and said, oh, uh, I needed to ask Flitwick a question. And then of course Snape being helpful went and got Flitwick and then Hermione ended up needing to ask um what did I get on my exam I'm so worried about it and it was 112% so good on you baby girl and while Harry is going to get his cloak he remembers the flute that Hagrid gave him and he thought hey I can use this on Fluffy and that kind of makes me wonder did Hagrid give him that flute because he expected this scenario to come about I don't want to trash on Hagrid but I don't feel like he's necessarily conscious enough to think of something Something like that. But I wonder if maybe it was suggested to him in just the right kind of way that, oh, well, Mr. Potter could really use a flute for Christmas. It just seems too perfectly executed. And now here we are, we have Ron, Harry, and Hermione all ready to go after the Sorcerer's Stone, and then Neville catches them. Suddenly, my sweet baby Neville has the strongest backbone in the universe, and he's telling them, no, I'm not gonna let you go. I'll fight you if I have to. You're not gonna lose more points for the house. And I wonder if that's because of the whole dragon incident 
important because Harry never is really said to have gone to talk to Neville about it being true, so Neville still kind of thinks they lied to him, right? Not to mention Harry could have stood up and taken more accountability, really, and got Neville out of trouble, even if he had to make something different up. But yeah, at this stage, Neville feels like he has no friends, he's just being lied to, nobody likes him, so why wouldn't he say, I'm gonna, you know, draw my line in the sand and fight you boys now? But alas, my poor sweet baby. Hermione does Petrificus Totalis on Neville, and that completely locks down his body and he can't move, falls flat on his face. I'm amazed the sweetheart didn't break his nose. And now we're to the trap door. The kids see a harp laying next to Fluffy while he's waking back up, so somebody's already gotten past him. But really, can we just talk about for half a second here how Fluffy is a terrible guard dog? I know he looks vicious, but music is such a common thing in day-to-day -day life that, I mean, it's really not gonna be hard to figure out that secret. And Harry's like, okay, if anything happens to me, go to the Allery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. And I just want to note, I, I had not pictured there being an Allery at this point. I always kind of thought that Hedwig just stayed with Harry in a cage because it seems like the cats and the toads and the rat and all that stay with their owners. So I guess I expected the same out of Hedwig and Harry, but maybe the animals don't stay with the kids. I guess it's never been explicitly covered one way or the other. But the kids go down the trap door and mom Miles and miles they fall down until they hit this weird plant that is binding around them. Turns out that it's a devil's snare and so Hermione has to use her flame magic that she used on Snape in the Quidditch match to free them. So haha, -ha, came full circle like everything in this chapter. I know I said that this was my favorite chapter I've read so far, but it is really convenient how every little thing that they've done is lining up so perfectly right now. But on to the next room and there are just hundreds if not thousands of winged keys that are very snitch-like. And Harry realizes that one key has a crumpled up feather, so they think that was the key used on the lock. And Harry gets a broom from the room and he chases the key down like he would if it were the golden snitch and gets it, of course. He gets through to the next room. Now chamber three is a huge wizard chess set and they actually have to play on the board and get across on their own merit to be able to get to the next room. So it ends up that Ron has to sacrifice himself to the white queen who hits him on the head so hard she knocks him out. By the end of this chapter, they don't even know if Ron is dead or alive. Then the room after that has a bigger troll than the one that they fought on Halloween, but he's already been knocked out, so they kind of waltz right through that zone. And the next room has a table with seven different shaped bottles on it. And there's a poem, I thought about reading it, but it is so lengthy. <laughs> It was so tedious to read, I couldn't stand it. But the poem really tells you explicitly what's gonna be what. You just kind of have to sit down and logic it out a little bit. And I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. By the way, so is putting brooms in the room where you have to quidditch down the special key. I, I mean, it's making it too easy to get to the stone. Why would you do that? And apparently the answer is, and I quote from Hermione here, a lot of the greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. So apparently Snape decided to leave clues about what his bottles were because wizards are stupid. Okay. And it turns out that the smallest bottle in the room is the answer, but there's only enough liquid in it for one little sip. So Hermione's instructed to drink the bottle that has a liquid that will let you go back 
towards the start of the whole, I guess, game almost, all these different chambers, and she's told to go back to the key room, get a broom, then go get Ron out of the pile of dead chessmen and fly out, get a hold of Dumbledore, get help because Harry doesn't think he's going to be a match for Snape. So Hermione does that, Harry drinks out of the smallest bottle, and he's able to walk through this black flame that's keeping you from the next room, hopefully the last room, and Harry gets through the door to find somebody, but he says it wasn't Snape and it wasn't Voldemort, but it's just kind of like, da da da, see you in the next chapter. And I am doing this very specifically. I read a chapter and then I record, so even though I've seen the movie so I kind of know the answer, I also kind of don't know what other twists might be in here. I do want to say that this part of the movie always struck me as really strange, uh, especially with the wizard chess, because they were riding on the figures from what I recall. So Ron was up on the knight, I think, and then the White Queen came over and knocked the knight down and they're like, oh no, Ron! But it was just kind of like, well, he just fell over. Why is that such a big deal? But in the book, the White Queen actually comes over and conks him on the head. So yeah, I can see that being a lot more serious. There's definitely a lot more darker tones and themes and moments in the book that they tried to tone down for the movie because obviously you don't want a five-year-old sitting there to cry until they get a refund. But yeah, overall, even though some things in the chapter felt really convenient, like how, hey, Ron happens to be good at wizard's chest and here's a wizard's chest room and hey, Hermione's good with spells and doing little fireball things, so here's something for her. And of course, Harry's the best seeker that they've seen in a hundred years probably, so uh, here's a room that's specific for Harry's talents. I'm really wondering if Dumbledore set this up specifically so that those three students could get through those specific rooms. Oh, and I don't think I did this part of my notes, but every person involved had their own section. So Hagrid brought in Fly Fluffy, Sprout provided the Devil's Snare, Flitwick did the Room Full of Keys, and McGarnagle did the Wizard's Chest Room, even though I don't remember them ever mentioning her and Wizard's Chest in the same breath. And then Quirrell had to be the troll, Snape was the room with the different bottles, and they said that Dumbledore did a room too, so that must be this last one here. Otherwise I have no idea what it could possibly be. But anyways guys, I am gonna go read the last chapter to record the last video. It'll be about a week before you see it, but I'm, I'm excited to get this done. So thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time, family members! Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.